We're going to turn in our Bible to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to commence reading at the verse 7. First John chapter 4, we'll commence reading at the verse 7, we're breaking into the chapter. John has told his readers, and this is the commandment, that ye should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he spent the first six verses of this chapter dealing with what it means to believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And now he's going to deal with the other part of that commandment, to, to love one another. So we're breaking into 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorized version. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, of God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man have seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp his own approval and blessing in this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through to 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved of God, so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now, my theme tonight is the wonder 
of the love of God in Christ. This coming Thursday, young people, is Valentine's Day. The 14th of February every year is Valentine's Day, and you're going to hear a lot about love. The subject will be love will be talked about. We're going to call it Valentine's love, and love will fill the air, it'll fill the press, it'll be on the news, it'll be talked about in the schools, and there'll be cards, and there'll be chocolates and flowers, mobile text messages, emails, love letters. What even about little poems? Um, forwarded one to another all on the 14th day of February. And it's called Valentine's Love. You've heard the little poem that Rosie gave me this earlier. Uh, Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you. Isn't that lovely? It's so sentimental out there. What about this for farmers? What do farmers give their wives and girlfriends for Valentine's Day? Hogs and kisses. Isn't that good? You see, Valentine's love is a mile wide. Somebody said it's an inch deep. Somebody else said, what's the best part of Valentine's Day? The day after. The prices of chocolates and flowers are all reduced. You see, these expressions of love are all part of what I'm calling the Valentine experience. This kind of love is a a puppy love. A fluffy, emotional, sentimental kind of love. Now, the real, true, genuine love of God, shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost, stands in stark contrast to the sweet, shallow, sentimental kind of love. And I believe, of course, that we need to understand something of the wonder of the love of God in Christ. You see, the love of God in Christ is really the purest and the highest and the greatest love that ever existed. And here is old John in 1 John, and he's emphasizing to us throughout the letter, the five chapters, the importance of love, the importance of God's love. And you can read about it there in chapter 2, verses 7 through to 11, chapter 3, verses 11 to 18, and in chapter 4 again, he repeats the same message. 1 John 4, 7 to 21 is all about the importance of God's love. There's a story told by one of the early fathers, a man by the name of Jerome, and he reported that when old John, the beloved disciple of Christ, the the youngest disciple, when he was an old man and he couldn't walk to church, they carried him in and they brought him up to the front. And at a certain point in the service, they helped him to get on his feet out of respect and they asked him to to say a wee word, to, to share something. And this is what he said. Little children, let us love one another. And of course, after many weeks had passed, the the congregation was getting a bit weary. The young people were thinking, well, you think he'd think of something else. Could he not say something new to us? So somebody asked him one day, "Um, John the Apostle, why do you keep saying little children, let us love one another? And this is what he answered. It's the Lord's commandment. Remember the Lord Jesus had said in John 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if ye have love one to another. And he said to them, if that is done, then that is enough. You see, love is not an option for the true genuine believer. I believe that love is, 
is one of the great distinguishing marks of the child of God. Listen to what John said. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. John, I believe, is the expert in love. If we said the Apostle Paul was the expert in faith, and the Apostle James was the expert in works, then we would have to say the Apostle John is the expert on love. And in his epistles, he gives us an in-depth, detailed understanding of the wonder of the love of God in Christ. And I'm well aware this is a vast subject and I'm only beginning to scratch the surface. But young people, as you think of Valentine's love, I want you to go beyond that. And I want you to think of the wonder of the love of God in Christ. Three things, or maybe four if time permits. First of all, the evidence of love. It says in our text, if you look at verse 11, or verse 7, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You see, the love of God in our hearts is the inevitable result of being born again of the Holy Spirit. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. For those born again by the Holy Spirit and regenerated by the Holy Ghost, not only is the life of God implanted within their soul, but also the love of God. Romans 5 and 6. Five says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's great to be born again of the Holy Spirit, but born into the family of God. And if we're born of the Spirit and indwelt by the Spirit, let's remember that the fruit of the Spirit, the first part of that ninefold fruit, is, is love. And, and love is one of the distinguishing marks of every child of God who professes to be saved. Love is the thermometer by which we can gauge our spiritual temperature. Why? For love is of God. Now tonight, if we were brought into a courtroom, if we were put on trial for being a, a believer, if an examination was taking place, one of the, the evidences that would be looked for, one of the chief evidences that we're born again and saved and, and found in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ is that we love God. And we love the Savior. Remember, the Bible teaches faith worketh by love. Faith is the gift of God. Love is also the gift of God. And if we're in Christ and living for Christ, through the strength of Christ, and we're found in the family of God, then as God's children, we are partakers of the divine nature and will be like him. And what is God like? Well, we're given the testimony here. God is love. And when we think about and a revelation of who and what God is and what God is like, we're told twice in verse 7 and verse 16 of this chapter that God is love. And we will be like him if we're his children. Now, what does that mean? Let me try and tease that out a little bit for you. you young people, listen very carefully. There'll, there'll be a love for God. 
Wasn't it the Lord Jesus that said when he was asked the question, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And um, it was a lawyer came to ask Christ that question and he asked him, of course, to, to trick the Savior. This is what the Savior's response, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. If I was given a summary tonight of the Ten Commandments, the first four is our love for God. There's the outworking of it. The next six is our love for our neighbor. And, and loving God is the outworking of loving our neighbor. Wasn't it the psalmist that said in Psalm, or Psalm 18 verse 1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. You'll love his person. You'll love his perfections. You'll love his power. You'll love his plan. You'll love his peace. Could I tell you something else? There's also a love for the Savior. Because if you love God as is revealed in the Bible, the true and the living God, you'll also have a love for the Savior. It was the Apostle Paul that said in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. You see, there's a revelation of God's Son to us. And we'll view Christ as the incarnate one, God manifest in the flesh. We'll see Christ as the sinless one, the one who did no sin, who knew no sin, in whom was no sin. We'll see Christ as the sacrificial one. We'll see Christ as the resurrected one. We'll believe in his bodily resurrection. We'll see Christ as the living one, living now in the power of an endless life, King of kings and Lord of lords. We'll see Christ as the coming one, returning in power and glory to set up his kingdom. Can I tell you something else? There'll be a love for the scriptures. Did you know the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. You see, Love is not opposed to the truth. True love does not deny the essential doctrinal truths about the person and work of Christ. And you as a Christian, if you say you've got the love of God in your heart, you, you cannot live without the scriptures. I'm not talking about modern versions. There's a plethora of modern versions. I think in the past hundred years, there have been something like a hundred modern versions, translations of translations, the vast majority perversions and false. And isn't there great ignorance today of what the Bible teaches? Why is that? Is it not because there's a lack of reading and studying the scriptures? And praying over them, Lord, open my eyes. Uh, a spirit of humility, Lord, teach me. See, in this modern world, we have wealth, we have pleasure, we have power, we have position. But God's ignored. And God's word is ignored. But what I'm saying tonight, here's the evidence of love. If you're born of God, you'll love God as God, as he's revealed in the Bible. The, 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 the God who, who exists as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God and three persons. You'll have a love for the Savior. You'll have a love for the Scriptures. Can I tell you something else? You have a love, you have a love for supplication. Prayer will usher us into the presence of God. And if you love the Lord and love his person and his perfections and power and plan, and, and, and you'll also love his presence. 
You'll not be able to keep away from it. If you can go weeks and months away from the Lord without prayer, without seeking his face, without having a desire to talk to him, then, then I question your, your love of God in Christ. I question whether you're saved. In fact, I would go further if there's no real supplication coming from your lips with a desire in your life, then we have to question if there's real salvation. It was the psalmist that said, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. He didn't want to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just one day in the courts of the Lord was enough to satisfy him. Do you know also there's a love for the souls of men? A passion for souls. Why did Christ come into the world? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we have a passion for lost souls? Family members and friends and neighbours and strangers. I told you this morning of the story of James Black seeking wee Bessie in an alley somewhere in Pennsylvania to bring her to Sunday school at the age of 14. And what he did for her before she died of pneumonia and what he did after even she had died. The Bible tells us he that went of souls is wise. What about a love for the Sabbath? Doesn't the Bible talk about delighting thyself in the Sabbath? There used to be a love for the Sabbath in Northern Ireland. Sadly, it's been greatly weakened. Many have left off attending the, the, the house of God because a love for the Sabbath ties in with a love for the sanctuary. And when, what about a love for service? Isn't it a privilege to labor and work for God? To give up your time, to use your talents that God has given you, to, to lay your tithes in the altar? And I'll tell you something else. There's a love for saints. And that's John's argument. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. How we treat people is important. Even people that differ from us. People that we maybe just dislike a little bit. People that maybe hurt us. What about people who have sinned against us? We get mad. We're angry. We, we plan to be in our mind, I'm going to get even. I was talking to one of our elders in Cookstown on Thursday night. And uh, we were talking about something that had happened just a few days before. And uh, he said to me this. He said to me, David, when there's no wood in the fire, or no wood in the hearth, the fire goes out. And I've thought of that. What about asking God, those who have hurt us and sinned against us and made us mad and angry, what about asking God to forgive them? Asking God to bless them? Asking God to help them? Asking God to show them his love? And you know, I believe going down that road delivers us from a root of bitterness. D delivers us even from a, a revengeful spirit. I believe such love like that for saints, especially they of the household of faith, is a love like the Saviour's. I wonder tonight, have you a love like that? I'm thinking about a lady that phoned her pastor she told him she was mad at God. She says, Pastor, I'm very angry and upset. He, 
asked her why, and she told him this long story about how her poor daughter, after five months in a marriage for two years, had sadly miscarried, and she was blaming God, and how could he let this happen? And there, that heartbroken soul, full of tears, and she wanted to know why. And, of course, the, the pastor knew that she needed a word from God. She needed a help. And he just reminded her that God is love and told her that God wouldn't cause a, a, a needless tear. And in the midst of this trial and test, he, he was proving and he was asking her in the midst of this dark, difficult situation just to trust him. And of course, that woman did eventually come to trust the Lord, even in that situation. And you see, if you have got life, if the life of God's in your soul, remember, you won't have life without love. And if you've got a new heart, you'll also have a new nature and your love to God and Christ and the scriptures and the Sabbath and the sanctuary and the souls of men and, and the service of God and the saints will be seen. And this is one of the, the evidences that, that help prove that we've been born of God. You can't have eternal life without loving God and without knowing God. And I want to ask again tonight, is that an evidence? Is that a defining mark in your life? Is that the benchmark with which you could happily go to trial? Remember the Lord Jesus asked Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And I asked tonight, do you love the Lord? Can you say that honestly? Can you say it sincerely? Have you an intimate, personal acquaintance with him, a personal relationship with him, where you say with the psalmist, oh, how I love thee. Oh Lord. I want you to think secondly and quickly, the example of love. For you look at the text, it says in verse 8, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Young people, what do you think the greatest and best example of love is? Is it the Shakespearean play called Romeo and Juliet? Maybe it's one of those old westerns, Bonnie and Clyde. But I want to tell you it's none of them. If you look very carefully at verse 9 and verse 10, there you have got the greatest example of love that was ever made known to man. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, true love has a sacrificial aspect to it. God the Father sent God the Son. And he sent God the Son into the world in a mission of mercy that God the Son would be the propitiation for our sins. The Lord Jesus came into the world in the mystery of his incarnation, born of the Virgin Mary. And he came into the world to be a willing, voluntary sacrifice for sins. The Bible tells us, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. And not only Christ coming into the world to be a sacrifice, but I want you to think of the Father's giving of the Son, the Father sending the Son. The Father was willing to send him. The Father was willing to give him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a sacrifice in him coming. There, there's a sacrifice in the act of giving and sending. The darling of his bosom. The, the apple of his eye. The, the eternal son with the father. And the father gives and sends him into a cruel, 
condemned, sin-cursed world. He came to bleed and die on Mount Calvary. There was a time when he cried from the tree at his finish. There, there, in that moment, and he was in Calvary, he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Remember, he wasn't laying down his life for his friends. The Bible says, greater love of no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus didn't die for his friends. He died for his enemies. But Christ, but God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Without strength, we were sinners. We were ungodly. We were enemies. His love has a sacrificial aspect to it. Could I tell you something else? True love has a substantial aspect to it. When we think about the words, he loved us, let's remember this. He loved us everlastingly. I have loved you with an everlasting love. You think of those words, loved with an everlasting love. Before eternity passed, God set his electing love upon you in Christ. You can't measure eternity. Do you know it's free? God says in Hosea 14 and 4, I love them freely. Do you know it's personal? For God so loved the world. Take the word world out and put in your own name. For God so loved David McLaughlin that that if David McLaughlin believes in him, David McLaughlin should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't it sacrificial? Paul says, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't it perennial? Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. Here's how substantial that love is. It's everlasting. It's free. It's personal. It's sacrificial. It's perennial. And we love him tonight. Why? What motivates us to love him? He first loved us. How did he love us? Here's how. Could I tell you something else? True love has a selfless aspect to it. Love might be free, young people, but it's not cheap. And you'll discover that on Valentine's Day. I don't know how much roses are. The cards will probably be double in price down there in Clinton cards and in Forest Side. You may go to some wee shop around the corner and maybe get one or two cheaper. True love, while it may be free, is not cheap. There's always a price to be paid. Let me tell you a little story. A true story. A pastor in the United States of America, a doctor, B.H. Thub, uh, T-H-A-U-B. He was the first president of the Free Methodist Church in the United States of America. A humble man, a holy man, a, a, a believing man, a saved man, a, a, an intellectual giant among men uh, in his day. Uh, and uh, he was a people's person and he was loved Uh, by the elders and he was offered this position as the first president of the Free Methodist Church. On the very day that he discovered that he was being offered the presidency, he discovered something else. He got dreadful news from home. His wife had stage four cancer. She didn't have long to live. Well, a few days later, he read out to a sobbing group of elders his resignation speech, and I quote, This is what he said. After prayer to my heavenly father, I tender my resignation here today. There are many other capable men amongst us of being president of this organization. But no other man is capable of being a husband to my wife at such time as this. 
I value prayer. See, true love is selfless. It always seeks the good and well-being of others. See, the Lord Jesus came into the world to voluntarily sacrifice himself. The Bible says he loved the church and gave himself for it. His love was singular. And his love was substantial. And I've given you some scripture references. And his love was selfless. Because on the tree he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of you. And it wasn't an accident. It was an appointment. And he didn't die the death of a martyr. He was dying the death of a mediator. That we might be reconciled to God. And I want you to notice something else. There's a satisfactory aspect to it. If you look at the text in verse 10. It says and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation is a big word. It just means a satisfactory covering. You see, God is holy. God hates sin. God in wrath must punish sin. And um, the Lord Jesus came into the world, offered himself at once and for all sacrifice for sin. Uh, and um, he um, was sent into the world to bleed and die that he might satisfy the demands of the law of God and appease the wrath of God against sin. And that's exactly what he came to do. His death on Calvary, his shedding of his blood was a propitiatory sacrifice. In other words, it satisfied or covered over the, the, the wrath of God. There's also a sharing aspect to it. There was a preacher preaching one time and giving. Going out, the lady said to the pastor, you know, I'm sick of all this talk about giving. All you ever talk about is giving and giving and giving. Pastor said to her, you know, you've just reminded me of the best definition ever, ever of Christianity. Because true Bible-believing Christianity is all about giving. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave himself. The Spirit comes and gives us life. And the love of God helps us to give ourselves our time and our talent and our tithe. Isn't that wonderful? God giving a son. And that son has life. And he can give you a full and free pardon. He can justify you now. And, and, and he can bring you into a life of power and blessing. And you can have the knowledge of sins forgiven and peace with God. And that tonight's the example of love. We could think tonight about the essence of love. God is love. I would encourage you to think about that. The pure, holy, sinless, eternal, infinite, unchangeable love of God. What is God like, young people? God is love. He's light. He's life. But he's also love. Pure, holy, sinless, infinite, eternal, unchangeable love. And whole books have been written about just that subject. And that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's too deep for me. I want you to close with this thought. The expression of love. Think of these words. Beloved, let us love one another. Again in verse 11. Beloved of God so loved us. We ought also to love one another. Do you feel the strength of the word ought? Is this not one of the missing things in our free Presbyterian churches? Love one to another. 
Is there not the provision of love for us? If we're born again, as I've said, of the Holy Spirit and regenerated by him and he has taken up residence within us, he produces in us the gift of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. At least one of the aspects of that ninefold fruit. And one of his gifts is love. He helps us to sincerely and honestly and genuinely have a love for others. And that's not natural to us. That's something that's been supernaturally produced in us. Not something that we worked up. Not, not something that we, we work out in our own strength and power. If God is love and we're born of God, then God's love within us flows in us and, and through us and as others are affected by it. There's the provision of love. Could I tell you something else? There's the profession of love. And I believe there needs to be the profession of genuine love in these areas that I've mentioned. Many empty professions today. You see, your love for God will be seen. Your love for the Savior, the Scriptures, the Sabbath, the sanctuary, for supplication, for service, for souls, for the saints. It'll all be seen. It's a valuable thing to have a testimony. It's tremendous to be able to verbalize that and say... I'm redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But it has to be seen. It must be visualized. And if we are little Christ on earth, then our profession of love must be seen. We must test the reality of our profession. You know, if you profess Jesus Christ tonight as Lord and Savior, you can't habitually and willfully live in sin. A profession of Christ and sin do not sit comfortably together. Many profess to be saved. They, they, they name the name of Christ. They, they make a claim. But that's all it is. Just a claim. But where's the evidence? It's not there. This provision of love will also have a profession of love. And let me just say this in closing. There'll also be the possession of love. We will reciprocate God's love. And we'll reflect his love. Remember Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth me. And how will we reciprocate and reflect God's love? By what we do and what we say and how we act. Remember Christ? Who did he love? But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us life for sinners. He loved his enemies enough to come into the world and bleed and die for them and call those enemies to repentance and faith. That's the kind of love that Christ had. And that's the kind of love that needs to be reflected and reciprocated in us. And old John took up that theme. Little children, let us love one another. He saw the importance of love. And I just hope that this Valentine's Day, that we'll, in our minds, discover the wonder of the love of God in Christ.
Think about how it evidences your salvation. Think about the example. Think about the essence God is love. And ask yourself, am I expressing by my testimony, by my walk, by my life, something of the love of God in my heart? Do I possess that? Am I professing that in the lives of others? There's a man or woman that loves Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Is that what others see in me? I trust that it is. If it's not, God have mercy on me. Pray for me. And I'll also pray for you. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you tonight.